First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 1 through 6. The Bible says here, this is David. It says, David called or summoned all the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem. The officers of the tribes, the commanders of the divisions in the service of the king, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of all the property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the warriors, and all the brave fighting men. Come on now. He gathered everybody together. Verse 2. King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God. And I made plans to build it. But God said to me, You are not to build a house for my name, because you are a warrior and have shed blood. Yet the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me from my whole family to be king over Israel forever. He chose Judah as a leader. And from the tribe of Judah, he chose my family. And from my father's sons, he was pleased to make me king over all Israel. Of all my sons, and the Lord has given me many. He has chosen my son Solomon sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said to me, Solomon, your son, is the one who will build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that even as you have ministered to me with this portion of scripture, Lord, that you would also minister to your people that are here today, Lord. I pray for every heart and every mind to be open to receive from you whatever you have for us, God, for we know that your plan is great. And we thank you. We surrender to your plan right now, our minds, our hearts, and we declare that we are yours, God. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says amen. 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 You may be seated. Praise the Lord. This was, of course, this was uh, a great king, David, who gathered all of the leaders and all of the people in Israel and had he was going to make a declaration of what God was doing in his life and how God was speaking to him about expanding God's kingdom. And he comes and he gathers everybody together and then he starts talking to them and says, listen, I always had it in my heart to do this, to build a temple for, for the Lord but God has spoken to me and said that I'm not the one to build it. But he has chosen my son. And the reason why God says I'm not the one to build the temple is because God has used me in a completely different way to expand his kingdom. And I had to shed a lot of blood. I had to destroy a lot of kings. I had to expand God's territory. And because of all the blood that I have shed, God says, no, your son is the one that is to build me a temple. And so, but it is awesome to see here in this portion of scripture that even though he recognizes that it is his son who is going to build a temple that he had in his heart to do or to build for God, he also understands because he says it there, he says, but God chose me anyways to be the king over Israel forever. So after he says, even though God said, you cannot build my temple because you shed a lot of blood, even then, God still chose me to be king over Israel forever. Can you imagine that? He was really saying, look, God has a mind of his own. And God has a plan. And God's plan can be a little different of what you're thinking. Hello, somebody. Sometimes we don't understand God, what God is doing. He said, but yet God used me to do a certain task in his kingdom. And God has chosen my son to be able to do something else that it was my vision to do. Hello, somebody. It is a beautiful scripture and it is a beautiful picture of how God operates in his church, in his kingdom, in his plan that he's got for the entire world. See, and later on, 
Solomon says in 1 Kings 5, verse 5, he says, I intend, therefore, to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord told my father David when he said, Your son, whom I will put on the throne in your place, will build a temple for my name. He says, I am surrendering to the plan that God had given my father to be able to continue and to build and to accomplish the mission and the vision that he given my dad. Hello, somebody. See, my father David, he says in 1 Kings 8, verse 17, my father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. See, his son knew, David's son knew, Solomon, what the father had in his heart, the vision that he had. And he understood his responsibility. See, David had a dream, but Solomon had the destiny. Oh, Jesus. David had a dream to do something, but he was destined for the son to accomplish what he had in his heart. You see, my friend, both of these individuals, David and his son Solomon, both were committed to God's design. They wanted to do whatever God wanted them to do. They were sold out to be able to see God's plan come to pass, not only in the nation of Israel, but in the overall plan of God in the entire world. As we read and study, my friend, the word of God, we learn that God works in generations. He's a God that works in generations with a consistent basis or in, in consistent basis. He's a God that you see all throughout the Bible when he begins to raise up the Moses and then Joshua takes the baton. It is another generation that come. Or you can see Paul and Timothy later where God raises up a certain individual to do something great. And that individual takes the movement or takes the vision of God to a certain point, a certain level. And then God raises up somebody else to take it even a little further. Come on now. God is a God that works in generations. You can see here David and Solomon. That God had intended to do something. But he used David for a particular part of the vision that God had. And then he called his son to continue moving forward with the same vision that God had given his father. It is a beautiful thing to see how God operates and he orchestrates his plan and how he does it. And I want to let you know because I want to challenge you on this. And I know this is the right message because I hear from the beginning of the worship and the beginning of the service that there's a lot of transitions that are taking place right now. There's a lot of transitions that are taking place even within our movement in Victory Outreach International. There's a new generation that is coming up of hungry leaders, young adults and teenagers who are getting a hold of God and they want to run and they want to do what God has called them to do. This is a time of transition. It is a time when there's changes. There are things that are happening and if we don't do it right, our churches can suffer a little bit. And so because of that, I felt in my heart that it was important to just share with you today the importance of understanding how and learning how to uh, create or, 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 or be able to know how to do or how to make healthy transitions. See, no generation and no leader stands independent of its predecessors, those that came before, or independent of those that will follow. We are connected to those that brought us to where we are today. And we are also connected to those that will continue on after we give them the baton. Come on, somebody give a, a, a good praise to the Lord. Come on now. We are not independent where we're at right now. We are connected to our past. And we are also going to be connected to our future. Our generation is connected to the previous generation. 
and should be connected to the next generation. This is true in organizations, in corporations, schools, but this is especially true in ministry, in church, church growth and the establishing of the church, especially in VO. Hello, somebody. We have a gang. We have the, the God's anointed now generation. We have the God's anointed now generation that is coming up. They just had the, the, the convention not too long ago. And uh, thousands of young people that were there, they came back on fire. Hallelujah. And it is exciting to be able to see what God is doing within the now generation. You see, transitions are a part of the life of the church. And we must all understand a little bit more about this. In fact, the average pastor in America outside of Victory Outreach, the, the, the average pastor in America pastors a specific church for three to five years. And then they move to another church to pastor another three to five years. There's an average of about four years that a pastor will stay at a specific church and then move on to the next one. So transitions are always taking place in the church. Some transitions are huge. Some other ones are smaller. But nevertheless, they all affect in a positive or negative way the life, the growth, the momentum of the church. And it is important for every one of us to understand how to make it easier or even healthier as we make those transitions within our ministry. See, transition... It's a passage from one stage to another or from one place to another. Healthy transitions and healthy transitional leadership is a must if the church is going to continue growing. That's the reason why we do what we do, especially in Victory Outreach. To continue to establish strong churches that are going to make a difference in our community and in our world. That's the reason why we're having the place shotgun coming to our city next week. That's the reason why we're going to Africa to do these things in Africa, even taking the play. It is expensive. We pay money. We do what we got to do. But we understand the importance of continuing to doing the things that we do because souls are in the balance. There's people that need to be reached. There are families that need to be restored. And the gospel needs to continue to go to the right and to the left around the world. You see, in the, same way that, in the same way that transitions play a big part in the growth, the expansion, the health of the church, unplanned, unplanned transitions and drastic changes within the church are discouraging and will stifle and eventually kill the growth of the church. If transitions are not done correctly, it will always it would always affect the, the health and the growth of the church. That's why transition, understanding transitions is very, very, very important. Pastors, leaders, potential leaders, ministry workers and church members must learn to create healthy transitions to the best of our abilities for a greater church impact in our community and in the world. As I study transitions, I found an event that creates or that gives a great picture, an analogy of healthy transitions that we can learn from. And that is called a relay race. Hello, somebody. You've seen it. you watched it on TV. Amen. It is a team. It is usually four runners. And each one of them run their part. And they hand the baton to somebody else so that they can run their part as well. The ones that finish you know first the ones that cross the line with the baton in their hand are the ones that are winners hello somebody they're the ones that take the medal or take the, the the trophy because they are the ones that did it successfully faster than anybody else so this relay race in this relay race there are rules and guidelines to this race and must be followed carefully if not the entire team can be disqualified immediately. Hello. We're going to study a little bit about this. I'm going to give you, I don't know all the rules and I don't know all the guidelines, but I, I, I studied enough of them to, 
to connect them to the life of the church. To let you know the importance of, of, of paying attention and, and doing it right at the right moment. Having the right mentality. Because it is important as we continue moving forward and hopefully to continue growing as a ministry, as a churches, as a region for the honor and for the glory of God. You can give the Lord a good, good praise right there. Thank you, Jesus. First of all, we know that there is a specific area for the transferring of the baton. You cannot just give it to somebody whenever you want to. There's a specific area that is marked out, and it's a small area where you must hand the baton over to the next runner. I believe it's 20 feet long, that area, and when they're coming running full force, it's a very short distance to be able to transfer it while you're running. Hello, somebody. You can't drop the baton. You got to be able to get it, catch it, grab it, hold it, protect it. Hello, somebody. Another thing that I found out is that the baton, if the baton is dropped in the zone, in, that, in this zone, only, only the runner who, who was supposed to receive it can pick it up without interfering with other runners and can't get back into the race. That's the only time that they're able to pick it up if they drop it within that zone. And if they don't interfere with any of the other runners, then they can get it, pick it up, and continue to run. Of course, they don't have too many chances of winning because sometimes one second is the, makes the big difference. So once somebody drops the baton, and even if they're able to pick it up, they lost quite a few seconds. And usually they don't do well in the race. Thirdly, I also found out that if a baton is dropped outside the zone, hello somebody, is an automatic disqualification for the entire team. And then... There is a 10 feet space before the exchange zone, that area where they hand out the baton. There's 10 feet prior to that, and it's called acceleration zone, where receiving runners wait and they begin running at an almost perfect timing to receive the baton. Baton exchange cannot be done in this area, those 10 feet, or their entire team would also be disqualified. This is just 10 feet prior to the area where they can exchange the baton, where they're able to see their runner coming, and they're about to take it from them. So they begin to accelerate. They begin to run to be able to receive the baton while they're at full speed. Hello, somebody. It is a very, very unique, if I may. It's a very unique and interesting way on how they do it and how critical it is of the handing down of the baton. You see, one of the things that, that is very important as you begin to enter into this race, which is called a really race, the first thing that happens with this type of runners is this. Number one is that they have to change their mentality. No longer from me to we. No longer from me to we. See, the first thing that changes from a marathon race, where is an individual running, to a relay race, is the mentality of the runner. It changes completely. He or she understands, the runner understands, that his victory does not solely depend on his performance alone, but on the performance of every runner on the team. The church needs to learn this. We need to become a little better in understanding, having this type of mentality. The success of the church, whatever church you're from, is not necessarily on just one person and see how I'm going to do and, 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 and this is it. No, no, no. Victory comes 
when everybody, everyone together do their best to advance God's kingdom, that's when true victory begins to come to your church. Come on now. That's when revival will come knocking at your door. That's when you're going to be seeing families stay in the church. New people begin to get a hold of it. Other people that want to be a part of ministry. Why? Because everybody is doing their best for the kingdom of God. It's not just, you know, how I'm going to do is going to give us the victory. It's going to be, man, everything that every one of you guys do affects how I do. And at the same time, it's also the other way around. It's that how I do individually will affect every one of you. You see, now the mentality is shifting, it's changing. Because now I'm picking up a new sense of responsibility on what God has called me to do. Because it's no longer what I do by myself. It is now how can we get the victory for the entire church? How can we continue to advance God's kingdom? Because God's plan is much better than just my plan alone. There's many individuals who are very good at looking at self and what they do and they're self-consumed. But when you go and you begin to understand transitional leadership and, and you begin to understand the relay race, you begin to get a better picture of what God is expecting from each and every member of the church, every single person that comes to church. God says, listen, it's not just about me, it is about we. How can we work together to make it happen for the kingdom of God and advance his kingdom? Come on, somebody need to give him praise. So it's no longer me, but it's we. It's we. How can we work together to advance God's kingdom? This is the mentality of the runners that run this relay race. They understand that in order for me to, to receive the, 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 the crown, the victory, the medal, in order for me to receive the victory, we all got to do good together. Every one of us has to participate and do their part. In 1 Corinthians, this is the message that is given here in chapter 12, verse 20. He says, as it is, there are many parts, but there's only one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Hello? And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 25 says, there should be no division in the body. But that his parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You know what God is saying there? He says we all have a part to play. Everyone is important in the church, in the kingdom of God. Every one of us and what we do individually affects everybody corporately. That's why it's important to, to do the best that we can. Why? Because there's others that are depending on our performance, on how we do and how we follow God and, and how we're spending time with God and, and everything else that we're doing. Somebody else is being affected in the negative or the positive way on how we do it individually. Come on, give the Lord a good praise if you know what I'm talking about. Paul told Timothy in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Don't you know that in a race other runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to win the race, Paul told Timothy. He says, you know, I, I want you to do your very best. Even though you're part of the team, I want you to do your very best individually, but understand and be concerned about how everybody else is doing in the team. Because true victory will come with everybody's, with everybody's performance combined. And we see this in the church a lot of times. There's some people that are running and there's some people that are doing and there's some other ones that just, they just drop in the baton every day. Hello, somebody. They're kicking the baton sometimes. Bing, 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 bing. 
you, you, this is the vision. This is where we're going. Bing, bing, bing. And we'll begin to get a better picture of what God is expecting of all of us corporately. Then we begin to get a sense of responsibility that we need, to, we, need to, we need to hang on to the baton. We can't be playing with God's calling. We can't be playing with God's plan. God has called you. God has saved you. God has brought you out of darkness. God has brought you into church. God gave you a beautiful family, the family of God. But he did it not just because he wants to take you to heaven one day. He did it because he wants to use your life for his honor and glory. You got to be a part of the team. And you got to run with everything you got. And you got to be able to make those transitions and make them smooth and healthy so that other people can also run. You got to disciple people. You got to connect with individuals and be able to say, Come on, we're together in this, and we gotta win it, and we gotta go forward, and we gotta do the best that we can so that God can be glorified. There's too many things that are coming up, all kinds of madness in the world. We need a church that is full of fire and anointing that understands the running with a baton and protecting it is gonna be the best thing that can happen for us. Come on, somebody need to give him praise. The second thing that we're able to see here quickly is that the runner that has the baton, the runner cannot stop till they finish. They cannot even think about slowing down. You see, the tendency for anybody is that I'm already coming to the end of my, my part. So I'm going to slow down. No, that you lose the, the race. That's what they want you to all the way to the finish, all the way until you hand out the baton, all the way until the next runner has the baton completely in their hands. That's when you finally stop, but not until somebody else is already have the baton in their hands and they're running with it even faster than how you was running. You got to hand it to somebody that's ready to keep on moving forward, advancing the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody need to give him praise. In relay race, you don't stop till you finish. Don't even think. Don't even think about slowing down. This is not a time to quit because you've been serving the Lord for a while. Come on now. I know who you are. I see you. You see, the one passing the baton, I'm not talking about you. I brought three or four guys from our church. I'm watching you, bro. Just joking, guys. Don't leave me stranded here. Give me a ride. You see, the one passing the baton must keep running full steam until the baton is passed completely. The temptation is to let up because you are tired. But you are to run full steam until the transition is completed. Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith to the very end. He says, I was on fire to the very end. And I experienced all kinds of different seasons in my life. And in the midst of every storm, I kept on pressing on. Come on now. Paul was the type of guy that says, I run the race to the very end and I did it to the best of my ability. I didn't slow down. I didn't sit down. Come on now. I didn't sit down. I didn't quit. I didn't walk out. I kept on pressing on because I value the baton, the calling that was given to me by God Almighty. Come on, somebody need to give him praise right about there. You see, if you're coming to a transition, make sure that you finish your assignment well before taking on a new one. Hello. These are things that I have learned in our church. You know, you're coming to, a, you're going to do a different ministry within the church or, you know, whether it be from the youth to the, to the church now, you're transitioning or 
uh, you got another worship leader that is coming up and and and, and you had you was the leader before and, and I see this many many times where the transition is not being done correctly because the individuals are not mature enough and they act you know selfishly in a selfish manner Instead of helping the one coming up, instead of walking him through, instead of handing the baton properly and making sure that he's not going to drop, sometimes they, they, they develop an attitude and almost competition. And sometimes they even begin to talk about the new one coming up and they got potential, but, and so they begin to talk about them. And I pray that that's not happening in this region, but it happens in many churches where they begin to do that. And the baton, instead of helping us to keep on moving forward the church begins to decline in the quality of the worship in the quality of the sound in the quality of the of the children's ministry because the ones that are coming up and experiencing the transition is not being done properly it affects the church in a great way and i said man we have to learn how to how to, how to make these transitions a little better we have to grow to a level where we understand what is the best for the church, not what's the best for me. If I say something, is this, is, is this, is this going to benefit in any way the church or is it just going to benefit me because I, I gave them a piece of my mind. You feel good because you said something. Because you're proud for it. Yeah, now I feel better. Did it help the team move a little, advance the team, or did it affect it? Did it slow it down a little bit more? See, that's why it's important for every one of us to understand the importance of creating or making uh, healthy transitions within the church. I know Stefan is going to really, really love me for this one. Pastor Esteban, but the teams with most fumbles in one season, going all the way down to 1978 in the history. Come on, Pastor Esteban. I love you, man. I love you, Mark. In 1978, there was 56 fumbles in one season. And it was the 49ers. And also the Bears. Most fumbles in one game. Most fumbles in one game. I love you, I love you, I love you, man. Most fumbles in one single game in 1978. Ten fumbles in one game. It was the 49ers against the Detroit Lions. Hey, I, I, I didn't plan it like this. I, I just said, who fumbles more? And, and I went there, and, oh, my God. I said, oh, man, they're not going to invite me to preach anymore after this. But I got to speak truth. No, 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 no. Keep laughing because on this one, on this one, see, the teams that fumble the most, even though those are a lot of fumbles, the teams that fumble the most are not in a football field. But they're in the church. You can laugh all you want about how many they you surpass all of those fumbles. Churches fumble every single week. You deal with different people, the different leaders, ministry overseers. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I, I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball. Well, we need to get a little better at protecting the ball and running with the ball and, and, and protecting the baton and the calling of God upon our lives. You see, my friend, this happens simply because people not value their responsibilities in ministry. People don't value their responsibilities in ministry. Many think that they are a blessing and, and this is the best thing that happened to this church. Since I showed up, God stood up in heaven and says, oh, praise the Lord. Now it's going to get done because my son showed up. My daughter is here. Hallelujah. Sometimes it doesn't play out like that. God is an awesome God, a loving God, a merciful God. 
But you got to stay humble enough to understand that you need God's grace. You need God's anointing. You need God's presence in your life to be able to make it just one more day. But with God's presence, God's anointing, and God's calling, there's nothing impossible to what you can do. But it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the presence of God. It's about the anointing of God. For it's not by might and it's not by power. But it's by my spirit, declares the Lord of hosts. It is God who makes it happen. Many times, my friend, we are not completely into what God has called us to do. God wants us to have our hearts, our heads, and our hands in the game. Many times, we, we're not all in the game. We're not all in. God is giving us hearts so that we can remain passionate and excited about serving the Lord. This is where the excitement, the passion comes in from your heart. Loving God. Spending time with God. Understanding what a privilege it is that God not only saved us, but he's using our lives for his honor and glory, especially where we come from. The majority of us, man, we don't come from good places. But I can tell you something. We got to remain grateful and thankful for where God brought us from. We got to have the heart for the ministry. We got to have the heart for God and always be excited about one more day of serving the Lord. I don't get tired of serving God. Why? In the good, the bad. The ugly God remains an awesome God in your life, in my life, and God will continue to drive us forward as we remain under His authority. God is a good God. God is giving us a heart so that we can remain passionate and excited about the things of God. We got to spend time with God so that our hearts are full of excitement and anointing and vision. But then also, we got to use our heads when we're in the game. This is a form of strategizing and making wise decisions in ministry to be able to make wise decisions on the direction that God is taking our church or our individual ministries. This is how God continues to move forward and expand his kingdom, utilizing not only passionate hearts, but also making wise, wise decisions, strategizing on how to move forward, how to take our city how to continue to be effective in what God has called us to do. And then thirdly, we got to have our hands in the game. Working hard all the time. Learning a little bit more to become more skillful in what God called us to do. Not becoming lazy and laid back. But to continue to put our hands to the plow. Continue to get blisters. Hello somebody. Callous in our hands. Because we're working in ministry and doing the work of God. But when you find somebody whose heart, whose head, and whose hands is in the game, those individuals become champions in the kingdom of God. Those individuals are the ones that run all the way and learn how to disciple, how to hand off the baton, how to keep on moving forward, and how to reach new levels in ministry for God's honor and for God's glory. Do we have any champions in the house? Come on now, do we have any champions in the house? Champions in the making, where your heart, where your head, and your hands are in the game. Some people have their, their, their heads in the game, but they got no heart. Hello. I've seen many. They're very smart. They, do, they, they, you know, they, they think they know it all. But there's no quota in it. And you see it because little trials take them out of the church. Little trials keep them at home crying instead of coming to church again when they're bleeding, when they got a black eye by the enemy. Hello? If you want to be a champion, you're going to have to learn. I told somebody the other day, you're going to have to not only learn, but you're going to have to like walking around with a bloody lip. Uh-huh. You're going to have to get to a place. Some people said, no, whoa, I almost got hit. I, I, I don't want to get hit. I don't want to get hit. True champions walk around like this. So, yeah. And they like it. They even put the little Beretta hat on. Jesus. That's their, their identity. They have a black eye, they have a bloody lip. They, they, 
They have one ear. Hello, somebody. Something happened. And it wasn't Mike Tyson. Come on now. There's a battle that we're in. And you got to learn. We got to take a little bit of hit. We got to bleed sometimes. We're going to go through it at times. Sometimes you're going to feel like quitting. But that's when you go and you meet with the king of kings and the Lord alone, the champion of champions. And you meet with him. And his presence will wake you up and get you up and say, you got to keep on running. You got to keep on moving forward. It's not done. It's not finished. We are just beginning. We're going to do what God has called us to do. Come on, somebody need to give a praise. Too many people give up too soon. Too many people give up way too soon. They don't see the blessings of God. I'm here to tell you that if you are walking with God and you go through difficult seasons in your life, you go through hard stuff in your life, but God allowed it to come into your life, then you need to know that it's profitable for you. That's why God allowed it. God was not asleep somewhere. He said, oh my God, I fell asleep and the devil hit him. God is awake. He knows everything. He watches every step. He knows every hair you have on your head. He knows everything about you. And you know what? When you're walking with God and he's walking with you, you know what happens? Sometimes you face some difficult situations in your life. But those times you need to understand that if God is walking with you, it was God that opened the door from the inside for trouble to come in. And the reason why he allows trouble to come in is only because he's preparing you for the next step. He's preparing you for the bigger assignment. He's preparing you to make a greater impact. Don't you ever think for a moment that if you're walking with God and you're facing difficult situations, that somehow this came to destroy you, to kill you, to stop you. No, God allows it so that he can raise up warriors for his honor and glory. God allows it so that you can create a backbone and be a fighter for his honor and glory. The difficult times will make some real warriors for his honor and glory. Come on, somebody need to give a praise. Come on, somebody need to give a praise. Some people experience trouble. They're not, I don't think I make it past the church. What happened? Oh, my, my, my great-grandpa didn't come to my birthday. <sighs> 55-year-old man with kids and everything. I can't go because any show. There's a lot of things that people are going to do or not do. Don't let those things affect you to the point where, where your performance, you're doing for God, is affected because of those things. You got to stay focused. Stuff will come your way. Your flesh will sometimes begin to get you in trouble. If you're not completely connected with the, the one that can defeat all that. The one that can destroy all that. The one that can give you the victory. Sometimes it's the world. Sometimes you're too caught up over there. You don't have time to meet with God. And the world begins to you, you know, come all over you. And you're thinking like the world. And you want to follow things of the world. And the things of God are not exciting anymore. And it's just because you're not, you're not spending time with God. You're not getting the vision of the heart of God. You're getting the vision of the world and the parties out there. And the little bit of stuff that you used to do before. And you begin to just, just begin to uh, see those things and say, hey, you know, this ain't going to hurt me too much. And, that's not gonna, and you begin to compromise what God is calling you to do. You begin to drop the baton of what God called you to do. God called you to be a leader. God called you to be a preacher. God called you to do something great because you can't see it because the world is taking it away. You don't even understand. And because of that, your action begins to show it. You don't even come excited anymore. You don't show up at church like you used to. Why? Because you're getting out there in the world and the world is beginning to pull you away. I said today, we get back to the basis. We get back to spending time with God. And we say, God, whatever you want to do, my dad 
David had a vision to do something, but God, you called me to fulfill that vision. I'm not giving up. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Come on, somebody need to give him praise. Somebody need to give him praise if you know what I'm talking about. God has a plan and he still wants to fulfill his plan. But he's looking for those that are willing to run with him. Those that are willing to serve him wholeheartedly. See, some people have their heads, but not their hearts. Some people have their emotions, their feelings. But they have no hearts and no heads in the game. Hello? It is important. Like Paul said to King Agrippa. In Acts 26, 19, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He says, I kept the calling of God, the baton, the responsibility that God placed upon my life. I kept it to the end. I'm in trouble now. You want to put me in prison? But the only evidence that you have is that I've been preaching this gospel. That's, that's the only thing you got on me. And I, I received a calling from God. And I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to keep it to the very end. That's what he was telling King Agrippa. He said, you can hang me if you want. You can crucify me if you want. You can do whatever you want. But I got to tell you that I would not disobey the word, the vision, the calling that God has placed upon my life. I will finish to the very end. I will carry the baton. And if I have to die to protect the baton that God is giving me, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to move forward. I'm going to see the glory of my living God come and be able to show to the entire world, including the devil, that my Jesus is the the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, somebody need to give him praise. In a relay race, you don't stop or you slow down if you want to win as a team. Until you have passed the baton successfully. Until someone else is running and running well. Come on now. Don't pass the baton prematurely. Don't let go of your ministry. If you're excited about something else, make sure that you take the proper steps to get it done. I see that over and over again, and you have to work with that. In ministry, many times transition is forced. Listen to this. I'm not going to take long. I just want to I, I be able to give you this. I think it's very important. In ministry, in the church, many times... Transitions in the church are forced into place simply because the person occupying that position has completely slowed down, sat down, or walked out. Now there's a gap. What could have been a healthy transition if there would have been communication, the right communication, now has affected our church, the growth, the excitement, the momentum of where our church was going because there's a gap over here. There's another gap over there. And there's another gap over there of people just doing these things. If you're over a ministry, you better be careful of what God is placed in your hands. Take your business for the kingdom of God. Understand that it is God who plays the calling. It is God who gave you that responsibility. Don't drop it. Don't let go. Don't fumble it. Do what God has called you to do. See, many times this happens because the individuals who are making those moves, they do it without communicating with anyone for a healthy transition. Usually, a careless attitude is conveyed, followed by tons of excuses. We get a hold of this, and hey, you know, what's happening? You, you're over this ministry, and, and we don't see you, you know, in these meetings or or. Or these responsibilities and what's going on? And then they begin to give all kinds of excuses. Tons of excuses. Why? My dog died the other day. I had to bury my dog. Take him all the way to Indianapolis so that we can bury him over there. Because I begin to just, just all kinds of excuses and reasons why they're not running the way that God called them to run. And so we got to get in the video. Oh, okay, can you have so-and-so? Just go, go, go ahead and put them there because uh, there's a big gap. Well, the individual that just went to, to close the gap is, it hasn't been trained for the most part. 
doesn't know exactly what's going on. So what's going to happen, the people that was affected in a positive way while the individual was at his best doing ministry, now because there's somebody that is uh, unprepared coming to fill that position is going to affect everybody else in a negative way. There's going to be time that is going to be wasted. Come on now. There's time that is going to be lost. And there's going to be souls that perhaps will be lost. Because of that individual did not try to do a healthy transition. It is important that you cover these bases. If I can do anything for you today and share anything, I would say I challenge you. To look at the transitions that are happening within your ministry and begin to take a careful approach on how you do it. Because when you pay attention, take a little bit more time. Look within you and understand, ain't no ugly attitudes going to come out of you. Sometimes there's ugly attitudes that come out. And even though you know what you need to do, you choose to disconnect from that and do it your way. Do it your way because you feel threatened. Somebody else is going to do a better job. Somebody else is going to shine. Somebody else is really going to run with it. Ah, I've seen it too many times. And I'm telling you, this is where, where your church can, can be affected in a positive or a negative way. If you learn these things, you can take that ministry to another level. You can begin to get together with somebody and disciple them and get them, get, get, get them right by your side and continue to share the vision and share the ministry and continue. And they begin to walk behind you and they begin to run with you until they're running right next to you. And then God is beginning to take you to another level, another ministry. Guess what? You got somebody that is running right next to you and say, this is the right time to hand up the baton. You can do a much better job. You are a little younger. You got more energy. God going to use you, my brother. Here's the baton. Run with it. And then you can go and do whatever else God called you to do. But the church keeps on moving forward. Keeps on going up. Because the transition is being done correctly. Come on. Somebody need to give a praise. Usually a careless attitude is conveyed. Followed by tons of excuses. The quality of the ministry is lowered. Hello? To a survival mode. Instead of the revival mode, it goes into a survival mode. Transition must take place, but it's done at a standstill. Hello? And time, energy, and souls are lost during this nonsense, irresponsible action by some of us. I didn't come to rebuke you. I came to tell you the truth. I've been there too. I, I, you know, I had to eat uh, humble pie many different times in my Christian walk. So I didn't come over here to yell and tell you all this stuff, how you got to be. We must get to the place together as leaders, as pastors, as, as ministry leaders, as workers, and understand there is the right way of doing this transition. And if we do it correctly, everything is going to be linked together, linked together. There's no loose ends to this thing. We're going to keep on growing. We're going to keep on moving forward. Why? Because we are a relay team. I do my part, and you do your part, and you do your part. And together, we can accomplish great things for the honor and the glory of God. I know we want to see our churches prosper. I know we want to see our ministry make an impact in our city and around the world. I challenge you today. Say no. I'm not moving until God gives me a plan. Until I work it together with my leaders and I'm going to do exactly what God has called me to do. Come on. Somebody need to give him praise. Come on. Somebody need to say hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. I see it in the area of administration the area of administration we've gone through some transitions that that it took us a while to get back up where we used to be before but in this area it's very important that you keep the area of administration to the top level hello somebody it's important one of the things that that pastor Sonny mentioned over and over again one time that I was talking to him years back he said your church can only grow to the level of the administration that you have in your church. And I know we hear about the worship and we hear about all these other things. But he said the level of the administration 
is going to dictate the level of the growth of the church. He said it for a reason. It is important that we take care of that area. It is important that we train our people to take care of business in that area. The worship ministry, the sound ministry, children's ministry, and every one of these ministries, there's transitions all the time. Let's work on that. Let's become a little better. Let's get a little better at doing that. That every time there's a transition, it's only to take it higher and higher and higher and higher from one level to the next level to the next level, next level. That's a healthy church ministry. It's not like this. It's like that. It's going up. And when we don't prepare and we don't make those transitions, healthy transitions, what happens with the whole church, the momentum is stifles, the growth stifles, and then it begins to decline. Until a year or two, they begin to get it together and get it back to where they had it before, and it begins to come up again. We're just, we're just losing time. So that's what we need to prepare with this. David told the people, he said, guess what? God spoke to me. And I need to prepare about this. I need to prepare everybody. God had given me a dream, but he just told me, I'm not the one to fulfill this. My son is. You know what he was doing? He was preparing everybody, putting them in the same mindset. We're not going down. We're going up. Prepare because this thing is not going down. It's going up. Prepare because there's changes and transitions. But don't get afraid. Don't be afraid. This thing come from the Lord. It's been done right. And we're going to keep on moving forward and expanding God's kingdom because that's how God wants it. Come on, give the Lord a good praise. Let me hurry up here. Relay, relay runners. Run as fast as they can until the baton has been transferred to a fresh runner. Come on now. Who will maintain maintain a consistent speed until he also finishes his part well and transfers the baton successfully to the next runner, runner who will do the same. Come on. Keep on moving forward. Thirdly, quickly, if you want to run this race, start running without the baton. If you want to run in this race, you got to start running without the baton. See, the one receiving the baton starts running before he receives it. That's why there's an area where, okay, start running because it's coming. It's coming. So when the runner that has the baton catches up to you, you're already at full speed yourself. So you don't waste no time. But they start running. Before they got the baton in their hand. Many people wait. And they wait. And they wait to start running. And they keep on waiting. Some are waiting for a title so that they can start running. With intentions of winning. I give my all. I do my all. I give my all. When I become a licensed minister. When, I, when I'm one of the leaders that sit in the front. Man, you're going to see me. I'm going to show everybody how to grow the church. But until then, I keep complaining about everything. Some are waiting for a title to start running. And the title will never come like that. Nah, -uh. you got to sweat a little bit before you get the title. You got to bleed a little bit before you get the title. You got to get those things under your belt before you get the title. Come on now. Some are waiting for recognition and credit before they start running to win. Hello, somebody. If they give me credit, if they mention my name, if they do that, then I'll start doing. No, no, no. You don't wait until then. You run. You run for Jesus, man, with a title, without a title. People know your name. People don't know your name. And guess what? There's somebody that really knows your name. His name is Jesus, and he's the one that called you, and he's the one that pulled you out of darkness. He's the one that has an assignment for you, and he's the one that is going to raise you up to new levels for his honor and glory. But you got to do it without a title. Some other people wait for perfect conditions in their lives to start running. Not until I buy me the house. Not until my kids are, 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 are you know, grow up. Not until all this. Not until my finances are in place. Not until this. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. This thing is done by faith. You got to move by faith. We're going through some very difficult times. Some four or five years ago, three years ago, we were like, man. 
it was tough. Financially, we almost lost our building a couple of times. and It was, it was crazy. And I remember God had given me something, a dream. And he says, you know, this church, Santa Rosa, is not to be just Santa Rosa VO. And I'll pray. And God would say, this has got to be a North Bay church. And I kept on like, Lord, they're about to close our church down. The building, we're losing it. You know, it's not going to happen. I don't see it. And God kept on giving me this vision. Kept on saying, no, 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 no. I call you to operate this way. Outside of your church, keep on moving because I'm giving the church in Santa Rosa, I'm giving the North Bay. That side of the, 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 the bridge. And so I, I couldn't understand it. I didn't believe it. And one day I got tired of complaining that I didn't have enough. We didn't have enough. How are we going to pay the bills and all these other stuff? Why are you giving me this big old vision and, and you don't give me the money? Uh, you know, what's going on? Some of the pastors said, I have been there. One day I got all the leaders together. I said, come. And I have, God was just, just, just in my heart. He'd been ministering to me. And I got in front of them and I said, you know, uh, God has been ministering to me for a year and a half, two years now. That this is how we are to operate and this is my responsibility. How I am supposed to be moving and doing as a pastor and as a leader. And you know what? Even though there's, they're, they're giving us an intent to foreclose our church letter. Hello, somebody. And even though they, they have this going on over here, all those these problems, I'm going to step out. And I'm going to begin to do what God is telling me to do. And I don't know how he's going to provide. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know anything. All I know is I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out. <laughs> Do you know that only two to three months, I believe it was like three months later after I said that, three months later, I was, uh, 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 they gave me the green light so that I could begin to go and minister at the San Quentin State Prison. San Quentin State Prison, I was able to go there, cell to cell, and cell to cell, and just minister. And they said, hey, we want you to come, and we want you to preach once a month. Can you come and do that? And, and I've been doing it ever since, now for a year and a half, almost two years now. And I begin to do that. Now, San Quentin State Prison, I didn't pay attention to that. San Quentin State Prison is there. As soon as you cross the bridge, the, the, the San Rafael Bridge, you cross it. And you haven't even got to the other side yet, and you see the building already. That's entering the North Bay. So the building is there. I'm ministering there. And then about six months later, there was a, a, a two ladies that came into our church during the service. They went and sat down. They spoke with me after the service, and they said, you know, our teenage boys and girls there at Coyote Valley, they were Native American uh, 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 ladies. And so they said, you know, our, our young people are committing suicide and we have all kinds of alcohol problem there and violence there and all this other stuff. And I've been talking to the chief there, the people that make the board, that make the, the, the decisions in that tribe. And he says, and they've been refusing to let any church for 60 years. We have not allowed any Christian church to come. But we are Christians and we've been praying and we went over and over to talk to them until finally they gave us a green light. And so we've been looking for a church. He said, we've been looking for a church. And we went to the church and we went to the church and we went to the church over in that area of Ukiah and Clear Lake and all these areas. They said, the minute that we walked in here this morning, God spoke to us and said that this is the church that is supposed to come and bring the gospel into our Native American community at Coyote Valley. It still didn't hit me. We go there, we have great, great services, people getting saved, Native Americans, kids, and all getting saved. Just give me two minutes and I'm done, okay? You can keep on playing. It's, it's awesome. It's great. So we go, we go and minister there. And one day, like two or three months later, after we're doing this, I go into San Quentin State Prison in the morning. And I think that Pastor James or my son was preaching at Santa Rosa. And then that evening... We were on our way, driving all the way to Coyote Valley, which is way past Ukiah, on the other side, way at the end of the North Bay. And as I'm driving from San Quentin State Prison, God just spoke to me and hit me so hard that I begin to weep in my car. Because God says, didn't I tell you if you start moving the way that I call you to move by faith, by faith, I was going to give you the North Bay and, and, I'm going to begin to put things in order in the area of finances and everything that, that you got going on. 
I'm going to go ahead because I am with you. I called you. I'm going to keep on moving forward. I'm going to help you. We're going to do this. Now it's almost two years. Can I tell you there's a revival taking place at the Native American communities now there? Can I tell you what's happening? There's another 13 reservations that are talking about bringing victory outreach and these services once a month so that we can help all this Native American community to find Jesus. Can I tell you what's happening? We go into there, into San Quentin State Prison, and there's a revival taking place. Why? Because sometimes we got to step out by faith. We got to keep on running even when we doesn't look like it. Come on, give the Lord a good praise. I want you to just lift up your hands to the Lord. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Oh, I hope that somehow, somehow, God has encouraged your heart and your mind to run this race. I know things get tough at times. I know at times you're going to go through difficult times. Maybe you find yourself there this morning, this afternoon. And you say, man... It looks difficult. It looks hard. Can I tell you something? If God has called you and God has placed that within your heart, begin to step out by faith. Begin to allow God to do what he wants to do in your life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands all over the place. All over the place. All over the place. The last thing that I had in there is that the runners in a relay race, they got their own lane. They run within that within within that their own lane. And they keep on moving forward. When they pass the baton, they can't pass the baton if one is outside of the lane. They gotta be inside both, inside of their own lane. If they step out, they're disqualified. What that just simply tells me, and I give it to you as we begin to come into the presence of God, you must keep, we must keep the VODNA. We got to stay within the lane that God has given us. We got to do it in the way that God has called us. Not only as a ministry, but as victory outreach. We do things a little different than other ministries. Stay with it. Stay to the very end. Get connected with your leaders. Learn ministry. And learn how to create and how to make those healthy transitions. That is going to help your church go to another level. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We give you all the honor and the glory and the praise.